Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, February the 1st, 2023. Uh, over the years, we've done some shows about Iran. One of my favorite shows and one of the most successful, actually, was back in December 2020 when I spoke to the BBC uh, correspondent Kim Khatas uh, on 1979 and the unraveling of the modern Middle East. She has a prize-winning book out, uh, Black Wave, Saudi Arabia, Iran, and the 40-year rivalry that unraveled culture, religion, and collective memory in the Middle East. Um, focus exclusively on Iran, but we talked about it. Um, we didn't also focus exclusively on Iran with the American political scientist Bruce Bueno de Mesquita, but he talked about why, in his mind, China, Russia, and Iran aren't democracies. Um, I'm not sure I necessarily agree with his conclusion, but it was interesting. And then last month, or a couple, um, about five weeks ago, I talked to my dear friend Soli Ozel. Uh, we went to grad school. He's based in uh, Istanbul, and uh, we talked about um, the Middle East in 2020 and 2023, and we talked a little bit about Iran in that as well in the context of Israel, Turkey, and the Gulf states. Of course, Iran is very much in the news earlier this month. Uh, as CNN reported um, in January, uh, three or four weeks ago, uh, terrible news that Iran, Iran executed a, a karate champion and volunteer children's coach, very disturbing news, as well as three other uh, executions uh, amidst uh, international criticism, according to Reuters. And even today, Iran remains in the news. The Washington Post reports that Iran imprisoned a couple for 10 and a half years after they danced in public, seems to summarize perhaps some of what's happening in Iran. Um, the current regime seems to punish people for general joyousness. Meanwhile, Iran is very much in the global political news as well. Um, Tony Blinken, uh, uh, Joe Biden's uh, Secretary of State, is in Israel, and he talked to Netanyahu, the, uh, the Israeli Prime Minister, about Iran, perhaps not without a great deal of success. Um, Iran is also a kind of political football. Fox News, for example, reported today that Iran's military is reportedly sending warships to Brazil and the Panama Canal uh, in a challenge to the United States. I'm not sure whether we should take that kind of news seriously. Anyway, we're going to talk today about contemporary Iran uh, with my guest, um, uh, Majid uh, Sagapur. Uh, he is the political director of the Iranian, um, uh, of the organization of Iranian American communities. It's an organization uh, that was pitched to me by an email. Uh, I, I have to admit, I'm a, a little suspicious, Majid, um, of your politics. You're the political director. Are you focused on making sure that 
the very legitimate human rights concerns uh, for Iran are not dragged into American politics. Tell me about this Iranian-American organization of Iranian-American communities. You're talking to me from Washington, D.C. You're in the midst of speaking um, politically on the Hill. Uh, your full-time job is as a pharmacist, but you're also the political director. So perhaps you might introduce yourself and tell me what the OIAC's goals are and, and how you are separate from domestic political issues in the United States. Of course. Thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to speak with you today. Um, organization of Iranian American Communities is an all-volunteer 5013C uh, advocacy group uh, comprised of Iranian Americans, much like myself, uh, who uh, experienced regimes uh, atrocities firsthand while we were Iran either as children or middle-aged persons. And then we have established a life in the United States and have seen the, what the regime has done over the ensuing 30, 40, 40 plus years in Iran. So our goal uh, as an organization is really essentially to echo the aspirations and demands of the people of Iran and nothing less. And so to that end, uh, our communities in more than 40 states in this country engage civil leaders, uh, civic leaders, uh, politicians, uh, local leaders, um, and of course, uh, concerned citizens uh, to advocate for that cause. Uh, um, you live in Virginia now. When did you come to the United States? Uh, I would say in the mid-1980s, uh, Iran was, um, the regime in Iran was uh, perpetuating the war with Iraq in 1984 when I entered this country. Um, and it's been, um, during that period, uh, we've seen transitions in Iran uh, over multitudes of administrations in this country. Um, and of course, in Iran with the uh, uh, the advent of supposed moderates in Iran, Rafsanjani, then Khatami, and then, of course, they tried the heavy hand with Ahmadinejad and went back to uh, supposed moderate Rouhani. Uh, and now they're back to a heavy hand, the most brutal of them all, uh, Raisi. But all along, we argued the same, that this regime is a, a singular unit. Uh, it's unreformable. And we know that firsthand because we and our families suffered. And as you see, the people of Iran are suffering still. Uh, 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 it's not for me to obviously question that. And I, I certainly wouldn't. Sure. Um, but I'm curious, you, you, you suggested that the people of Iran are united in terms of their opposition to the current regime. You may be right on that, but... There are many different kinds of opposition in Iran. They're not necessarily in agreement about the kind of regime that they would like to replace the current clerisy. Is that fair? Are you talking about what is going on? What is, what is present inside Iran? Yeah. I mean, you, you seem to suggest that everyone was united. And, and I'm, I mean, you obviously know a lot more about Iran, contemporary Iran, than I do. But uh, I'm sure. suspicious of that because it seems as if there are many different groups, political, uh, political and cultural, men, women, 
Sunni, Shia, uh, different ethnicities within Iran. So I, I'm, I'm suspicious that everyone's united in terms of, of what they want to replace the current regime. Sure. Well, let me just start at the top. Um, Iran today and for many years has had the highest per capita execution rate in the world. Um, and the protests in Iran over the past four decades, whether it be the uprising of students in 1998, 1999, whether it be the uh, Green Movement uh, to some extent, um, and then again in 2017, 18, 19, where the regime massacred 1,500 people in southern Iran. And of course, the protests that began in September of 2022 uh, have all uh, essentially wanted the quote-unquote, the, the quotations from New York Times and Washington, Washington Post is very clear. Death to the dictator, uh, be it the Shah or leader. Uh, history of the past 100 years in Iran support, actually quite the reverse, uh, on my dad. Uh, the people of Iran had the Constitutional Revolution in 1906. Uh, they had a, 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 an assembly in Iran formed, which elected uh, and had a democratically elected parliament, I mean, prime minister that was in charge of Iran and nationalized oil. oil. And then, of course, throughout this, it's been an uprising and an attempt to overthrow monarchy so that the single party rule of the monarchs who have been really uh, parties supporting foreign powers but not the interests of the people of Iran does not rule Iran. And so to some extent they succeeded in both in 1906 and 1953. And then again, after the Shah of Iran was put in power by foreign powers essentially, uh, the people of Iran continued that revolt uh, and overthrew uh, the Shah of Iran. Um, of course, in 1978, 1979, the world was a different place. Uh, President Carter urged Iran not to execute, ex urged Shah not to execute the shoot protesters. I can tell you I was in the streets of Iran myself then. And I saw as Iran, the Shah, much was forced to oblige how the protests began how the bullets died down and the batons were used, how the protests got large and overwhelmed the regime and it fell. We don't have that luxury with the current regime in Iran. The regime in Iran uh, is a, a unified regime. It's rooted in this fundament fundamentalist, misogynist ideology. Its very first act of oppression was the forced job to try to eliminate half the population almost immediately. And it was, if it wasn't for four decades of the Iranian resistance, which we, by the way, fully support, the regime would have now had already a nuclear weapon and would have been blackmailing the internationally much more than it is. So to answer your question directly, the, the desire of the people of Iran and really one that is supported by members of Congress is the secular, democratic, non-nuclear republic. I must admit that there are many and really most nations, uh, including some you mentioned at the top of the program, who have not endorsed uh, a democratic change in Iran. We are talking about a democratic regime change in Iran. That's the desire of the people of Iran. Well, a democratic regime change, that sounds ominously like the talk of the Bush administration when it came to Iraq. What's your position on Joe Biden? Um, there's a headline in the Washington Examiner, a very right-wing uh, Washington newspaper, um, about Biden 
uh, not is, is not going to let freedom be denied in Iran, according to House Democrats. Um, yes. Is is Biden, in your mind, doing a good job on Iran? I mean, regime change sounds very ominous, Majid. Are you suggesting that America should invade Iran? Uh, not at all. Ominous is what the regime has been doing all along the past four decades. Ominous is the more than 120,000 people it executed. Yeah, yeah, but you're not answering my question. Uh, I, I what does regime question. change mean? It, it sounds almost That's, colonial. Not at all. Regime change, democratic regime change, means that the people of Iran will make that regime change occur. That's fundamentally what that means. Unlike the Syrians or Afghanistan or in Iraq, the people of Iran have an organized resistance movement that supported those very protests against their job in 1980 and protested against the regime's oppression throughout this period, has been persecuted throughout, a significant amount of misinformation dispersed about it throughout, assassinations abound across Europe, attempted assassinations here in the United States, and certainly uh, terrorist operations directly by the regime in Iran. I am talking about the National Council of Resistance of Iran, a political body that has what any organization demanding a democratic change in Iran and wanting to establish it must have. It must have a leader, it must have a plan, and it must have an organization. And those three things is why the, our community has supported the National Council of Resistance of Iran. And we, we are fully certain that this regime will fall not from by, by a foreign power. In fact, any intervention by a foreign power inside Iran plays right into the hand of the terrorists that rule Iran. On the other hand, the people of Iran have everything well, they, they, they need. A, that's, a strong, that's strong language machine, terrorists. Um, you know, that's language that suggests regime change. Um, I, I'm, I have to admit that I'm very suspicious of some of the politics uh, on this. Uh, Mike Pompeo, for example, uh, in December, uh, headlined an Iranian opposition summit. It seems as if the right wing of the Republican Party is, is, is fetishizing this resistance. Are, are you in any way concerned that people like Pompeo seem to be using Iran as an opportunity for their own political ambitions within the United States? I certainly cannot uh, speak for, uh, for anyone who appeared at the programs we sponsored, but the article you just put up was an event we held in the United States Congress. It was in relationship to House Resolution 118. 260 bipartisan members of Congress supported it. That, that article was written the day after. Uh, the 260 bipartisan, I must say, not right-wing hardcore, but bipartisan members of Congress, more than 80 of them are Democrats, uh, some of them chairs of committees, who supported the aspiration of the people of Iran and our call for the United States to establish a policy to support the democratic aspirations of the people, people of Iran, that the people of Iran want a secular democratic republic, and the current regime, current regime is using its diplomatic installations, using its, the country's resources to enrich its own mafia, undermine the national security of the United States, where I live, and of course, kill the Ukrainians and support 
America's adversaries. Majid, so what have you learned? Uh, yeah, again, I, I'm I'm not going to debate this stuff with you, but what have you learned, for example, from the, the Syrian civil war? We've done a number of shows on yes. the tragedy in Syria. There, I'm not sure if there was a unified opposition, but there was clearly a very well-organized opposition to the Assad regime, which, as you, you know better than I do, is supported by Iran. What are the, the, yeah. the positive lessons from Syria that an Iranian opposition could have could have learned, given the, the, the tragic outcome of the Syrian civil war? Of course. What um, Syrians lacked is what the three factors that I mentioned to you earlier. Uh, most of the Syrian opposition was supported certainly by others in the region and abroad. Uh, Syrians did not have a unified unified opposition that has lasted as much as the NCRI has lasted for more than four decades despite the oppression. And certainly they didn't have a plan, an organization that would, could carry out that plan. And hence the real reluctance of the Western powers to support it. And of course, there were other factors at play. The Ayatollahs in Iran did all they could to make sure massacres in Syria occurred. So I'm not saying singularly that was the only reason, but that one of the primary reasons was that Syria did not have what the Iranian people have, which is an organized resistance, capable resistance movement. You've, you, you do a lot of media work. Um, as I, I mentioned, uh, there's this very peculiar headline on Fox, which is typical that the Iranian military are reportedly selling, sending warships to Brazil and the Panama Canal in the challenge to United States. Right-wing American media seem to have fetishized Iran as an almost existential threat to America. Do, do you share that, or is this just nonsense? I think I think uh, the Islamic Republic of Iran, the regime, Iran is a fascist, predatory regime. It began with the people. Of Iran, the persecution of people of Iran to consolidate power and maintain those persecutions and executions to this day. And it is conducting its foreign policy. Yeah, but you're not answering my question. I, I, will, I, mean, I, will, I will get to that. I will get to that. Uh, it is conducting its foreign policy by acts of terrorism. What that title perhaps suggests is some sort of a maneuver by the Iranian regime. Whether it has tactical value or not is probably not. But the regime has been act committing acts of terrorism all across the world. It's using its embassies to kill Iranian dissidents. I, for one, was in one of them in 2018, where 100,000 people were about to be blown up by a bomb that was brought for an Iranian by an Iranian diplomat uh, that took it to Vienna and drove it literally across Germany to Brussels and intended to bring it to Paris, where we were. Uh, of course, he's spending 20 years in jail in Brussels now. I think it's important those threats are real. This regime is predatory, and the IRGC is already a real terrorist organization. That's what I was referring to. The terrorism term that I used earlier was referring that this threat should be taken seriously, but rather whether in this particular tactical move that you just showed me from Fox News, whether it is real or not, it's uh, maybe hyperbole, but in reality is the regime is a threat to humanity, and it begins with the streets of Iran. Is it more of a threat? I, I'm not going to, I'm certainly no great admirer of the Iranian regime, but is it worse, for example, than the current Saudi regime? There's a, a, a chilling piece in yesterday's uh, 
BBC about um, secretive Saudi executions, 60 Saudi uh, Shia opposition uh, executed by the regime. They didn't even alert the families. I don't want to start comparing the number of executions. You mentioned that Iran has the worst record for capital punishment. I'm guessing the Saudis are competing reasonably well now. Um, how do you, you know, I'm, I'm not defending the Iranian regime, but it's no worse than the Saudi regime, is it? It's certainly no worse uh, than the Syrian regime. Uh, well, it's probably well, in I, some ways no worse than the Iraqi regime. Well, uh, the people who enabled the Syrians to kill as they did was Hassan Soleimani and the IRGC. Yeah, I take your point. That's a fair point. But w w say, say this comparison with, I mean, uh, uh, Kim Gattas, um, in her wonderful book, uh, talks about this Saudi-Iranian rivalry that's defined the region and essentially been a catastrophe. If there well, is a revolution, an uprising in Iran, what's to stop the Saudis establishing their own rotten dictatorship there? Um, certainly, I am no expert in relationship to Saudi Arabia. But what I can tell you is that the people of Iran have wanted a secular democratic republic. And uh, whatever it plays out politically is not, it's not in the realm of my uh, expertise to say the rivalry between the two countries. What I can speak with, what I was personally ex experienced, what I, my own family experienced, the thousands of Iranian Americans in this country have experienced both firsthand and certainly uh, our families firsthand right now are experiencing Iran, and that is, that this regime is enormous danger to humanity, not just to the people of Iran, but to the entirety of Western civilization and liberal democracies of the West. Well, that, that, that might be a little bit of an exaggeration. I, I, you know, I'm in, here in San Francisco. I, I have to admit, when I go out in the street, I'm not too worried about Iran. Um, Majid, um, what about... Um, what, what about uh, social media? I know you have some strong feelings. Uh, Meta uh, have a policy on social media and death yeah. to Kamenei posts. What's your position? It's an interesting uh, debate yes, about yes. what Meta should and shouldn't allow on their platform when it comes to social media yeah. posts. Excellent question. Uh, again, I'm not a, a social media expert, but that particular article you just know that is a, is a very good one. Um, in the, in the, if you look at the protests in Iran, down with dictator, be it the Shah or leader, or death to Khamenei, in Persian language, in Farsi, that literally means down with. It means they want the regime to go. That means essentially regime change. That is what the chant is. People are taking bullets to say that. So if they're putting it on social media and uh, the free world is suffocating that voice, it is uh, counterproductive in many ways. Uh, it, it really enables the regime in Iran and weakens the voices of the oppressed inside Iran. And so to that extent, uh, we hope these social media companies allow the people of Iran to communicate with the limited, limited uh, internet that they have available to them. Finally, uh, you mentioned you wanted a secular regime. Um, I, I don't suppose that this current regime has a great deal of support, but it has some. Uh, is there still a possibility for a more moderate uh, Islamic republic in Iran that 
would be more tolerant of, of opposition that wouldn't be bent on execution and, um, and, and causing trouble around the world. Do you, would you be open uh, in terms of your uh, committee, your uh, organization of Iranian-American communities, would you be open to a more moderate Islamic republic? Um, that is a fallacy in principle, I must add. Uh, the Islamic Republic of Iran uh, decided in 1981-82 that it wanted to do what it has done since, which is to remain in power and everybody else to subject their way of life. They have brought in different faces to rule that country, supposedly presidents, but the ultimate decision maker in that country is the supreme leader. Supreme leader. And that is why the regime changes what is asked. The regime it means the Velayat Fari system, the supreme leader system, is not reformable. It is, uh, it is therefore the only option that remains for the people of Iran is to overthrow the current regime. So no, this regime is not reformable. The Persians have a very nice saying. They say, I have tried to translate it as best I can. The scorpions, it hits you, not because it, uh, of its whatever, that it, is, it hates you because it, is, it just acquired this taste. No, it is in its nature. So for four decades plus, the international community has, was trying to change this scorpion's behavior. But the scorpion will always hit you the minute you look away. And this regime, this story shows us that it will continue to do that and hence the need to overthrow this regime, from, but from within Iran, politically supporting the aspirations of the people of Iran. We're not talking about sending them money. We're not talking about sending them arms. We're talking about politically supporting their aspirations for democratic regime change.